Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, it just feels, yeah, it feels like a pretty standard case of the ghosties. Well, I wouldn't trust anyone, really, who shot six family members in their own house. Oh, you're listening to Weird Tales and the Unexplainable. This is Bob Shoy, and I've got with me, as usual... Beef and beef. Beef. Dizzy! And Tiss. You guys know what we're doing this week, don't you? Yeah, you put it in WhatsApp. I also said it on the last episode. Did you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't listen to stuff. No. Um, you, you, did you, do you remember? <sighs> you haven't got a clue? <laughs> oh, it's the next instalment of the Warrens <laughs> episodes. Oh, I remember you saying it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, we've never said, who are you taking us down that rabbit, Warren, are you? Yeah. Um, any st- any business you want to get going before we crack on with the show this week? I'm struggling my way through a Coco Psycho right now. I'm really enjoying a bottle of 5am Saint right now. This is fucking gross. I'm enjoying my 5am Saint. You sh- uh, why did you like get the it? It's between drinking sewer and like fresh water. <laughs> but that's what it is. It's like sloppy sludge. And you guys are drinking fresh clean. I'm not keen on a, a chocolate beer. Anyway, at all. Chocolate and beer should be kept separate entities. Yeah. It shouldn't be... This is put the cap back on. Yeah, I'd, I'll be honest, I really, really struggled with that one. It shouldn't be... Just why those flavours shouldn't... They don't mix for reasons. It's gross. Do you want a nice one? I'd love it. Do you want a 5am? I'd love a 5am. <laughs> there we go. Oh my Here God. we go. Like, I'm so good to you, boys. <laughs> so, are we going, to this, are we going to this thing in February? Feb. In Milton Keynes. What's that? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Man, oh, this is so good. Yeah, um, if anyone is around in Milton Keynes on the 17th of Feb, um, there is a Brewdog evening in Milton Keynes. MK11. MK11, where is that? Kill Farm. Uh, I don't know. Never been is it there. next time K10? Which we'll probably be attending. So if you're going to be there, drop us a shout on email or Facebook or something and we'll see you there or maybe one or two of us will. We'll get a Coco Psycho. Yeah. But yeah, it's the same, same thing. thing, yeah. Yeah, and the macchiato one's really good. Mm. Anyway. Um... Probably should actually go on the show. <laughs> yeah, because I'm going to have to cut all of that. That is all nonsense. <laughs> that was just us. That was literally just us chatting. Right, let's crack on. All right, okay. Um, what are we doing today, Bobby? Well, what, the Warrens. Oh, you said that. Yeah. Uh, just, is there any other business we need to get through? I can't think no, I don't think so. No. We're all a bit up in the air because we're recording backlog. Like, this won't go up for three weeks or something so, till, from when we've recorded it. So Yeah, I don't know. I can't really think of anything. Yeah, okay. Well, let's just crack on. Before I tell you what case we're talking about, mm-hmm. um, 
at the beginning of these Warrens episodes, I always delve a bit more into them and tell you a bit more about them as people. Yeah. So the first time we talked about, you know, the basics of who they were and them setting up the Paranormal Society and the Cult Museum. And the second time we talked about sort of how Ed got started, um, him growing up in a haunted house and them handing over the legacy to their son-in-law, Tony mm-hmm. Spira. Mm-hmm. Um, so this time I'm going to talk a little bit about the sort of missing years between... I said about Ed joining the Navy. Right, yeah. And then I'm going to talk about when he came back from the Navy before he started the Paranormal Society. So that sort of bit in between of what actually Mm. sparked that. Kind of the Rogue One. Yeah. (laughs) So as I said before... After school, Ed joined the Navy. Um, But after four months of joining his the ship, he was stationed on Sank. Hmm. So that's not funny. Oh, no. (laughs) <laughs> but he was well. He was okay. He came yeah. home. He got thirty days survivors leave. Wow! And he married Lorraine. He got thirty days leave survivors. Leave. Yeah, for sinking for his ship sinking. <laughs> have a month off. Have wait a minute. A wait a minute. Off. Surely, also people must have died. As maybe. Didn't well, they, I don't know. know. <laughs> survivors. It's only a month. Actually, yeah. A if you month. Yeah. So he got he got thirty days off, and uh, he married Lorraine, and then it's thirty not days. Enough, is it? And then it was like, right, you've had your thirty days. World War Two starting to get out there. Um, after the war, they had a daughter, and then he went to art school. Okay, cool. he's had a busy. He's had done more. Yeah, that's well, he's, busy, yeah, done more nuts. Busy boy. Yeah, but after a while at art school, he left. Um, he sort of got a bit bored of it. He basically felt like um, he'd learned enough. Do you know what I mean? Like he was happy with his painting. Mm. He didn't really want to do it as a career as such, and he left. He'd learned what he wanted to learn and left. Okay. Uh, I said he didn't want to do it as a career. Then after he left, they bought a cheap car, him and Lorraine, and just started driving around. And he would sell his paintings. And that's how they made money for a while. Like living cheap, selling paintings. Wow. Yeah. It's a really I got a lot of respect for that. Yeah. That's really cool. He was like, I can't remember where I read it, but the car was like dirt cheap, like $100, $100 something like that. And uh, yeah, they just rolled around in that. He painted and he sold his paintings. Wow. But, um, yeah, so as I was travelling around, though, he started thinking more about the paranormal and stuff, because, like I said, he had grown up in this house, which he'd had these experiences in. Mm. So that was sort of like, he was getting more interested in that again. And basically, he felt like he wanted to meet others who had had similar experiences and grown up in haunted houses or lived in haunted houses, just so he could, like, speak to... Because he'd never spoken to someone else who had had any experience like that. Right, So it was through the painting that the Warrens began their ghost investigations, If Ed heard of any place that claimed to be haunted, whether a haunted house or a haunted location, he would drag Lorraine along to check it out. Oh, Ed, there's no such thing as ghosts, Lorraine would say. And Ed would then remind her of his days in his haunted home in Bridgeport. And, you know, like, don't forget, I've experienced these things. I really want to check it out. Eventually, she'd go along with him. Mm. Um, How the Warrens would get into these haunted houses is especially interesting. We were just kids. Nobody was going to let us in. We were curiosity seekers. We were not yet the directors of the New England Society for Psychic Research. I'd go into the middle of the road where they could all see me, and I'd start, start to sketch the house... And you'd see the curtains going back and forth, like, what's this kid doing? They'd be thinking. I would do a really nice sketch of the house with ghosts coming out of it, and then I'd give it to Lorraine. She would knock on the door, and with her Irish personality, she would say, oh, my husband loves to sketch and paint haunted houses, and he made this for you. 
and try and like give them the painting basically right. as an in <laughs> to right. try and talk to them. That sounds like a really elaborate. Yeah, it's so strange. Yeah, it was through the paintings that the Warrens got themselves into the haunted houses, and then they would talk to the homeowners one on one. Yeah, I know. It's like they wanted like... an excuse to talk to them. Yeah. Um, basically, Ed just wanted to see if the same things that happened to those families are the same things that happened to him. Through his art, the lives of these two incredible people were formed. So yeah, from talking to others who had these unexplained experiences, um, he became more interested and, you know, the rest is history. But that's how his interest in the paranormal came back around, you know, from this travelling around the pain, he started thinking of it and then he started trying to find haunted locations and talk to people. It's a really interesting part of his life. Yeah, it's a really strange part of his life. I thought that's why I thought I'd talk about it a little bit. Mm. If we do have some time at the end of the episode, maybe there's some other Warren stuff I'll go into, but it can be saved for another. I tried to find examples of his paintings online because it's from this like young period of his life where he's travelling around. Like none of them really um like sold mass market no no it would have um, just been knocking door to door I guess I found one image of one that actually went up on eBay a few years ago okay um, of a it's just it's just a, one of the quick sketchy ones he did um, of a house that actually was above a graveyard it was supposed to be like a haunted graveyard so it's right. one of the ones he did when he was trying to get an in oh, okay. to the thing so if I can just pull this up I'll let you see wow okay what do you think to that Tis? It's a cool little waterfall. Um, and if you want to see that picture, obviously it's going to be on the blog. Everything we talk about will be on the blog. So yeah, um, that's the only bit of Warren's history I'm going to go into. Like I said, maybe at the end of the episode, I've got mm. a couple of other things, but I might save them back for another time. That's right. Because this won't be my last Warren's episode. There's so many cases. Really? Yeah. But this is arguably the most famous case. Okay, have we not done the... I thought we'd have done the most famous one right now. Well, the first time... The only because films have come out. Yeah, the first time I did the ones that, that the Conjuring films had focused on. Yeah. Um, Just which, probably because they're the most theatrical. Yeah, I think they chose the Perron family case for that first Conjuring film because it hadn't been done in film before, because it wasn't mm. as well known, so it'd be more interesting. And the Enfield Poltergeist... Mm. Um... It wasn't as like it's big to us because we live in the UK, but it wasn't one of their biggest cases, and they really only got involved in that sort of halfway through. Mm. And then last time we did Annabelle, which is one of their most famous cases. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously they've made loads of films off that. Um, but this case is the other one alongside Annabelle, where it really is like a big case. Okay, and it's very notorious. Okay, would I know about it when you say it? You'll know. You'll definitely know. I don't. I wonder how much you do know about it. Okay. So, tonight's case is the Amityville Horror. Oh! That was them. They were involved in that. Yeah, they were involved in the Amityville Horror. Wow. Yeah. I, did you not know that? I didn't know that either. I don't think I've seen the film. Uh, maybe I have seen the film. I saw the original right. um, when I was like 10. Right. And shat myself all the way through. I've never seen any of the films. It was So, I watched the first one... Yeah, I was around a friend's house. It was one of those things where my parents didn't let me watch 18s mm. because I was 10. Um, and, yeah, so I ended up going around a friend's house and he's like, oh, I've got this scary film that I found in mum and dad's bedroom. Like, Should we watch it? And, uh, yeah, I watched it. It was pretty scary. But the Apparently it's not that good, though, is it? Uh, no, I watched it again. Oh. And now I'm not 10. It's Yeah, it's not brilliant. I've heard it's not... I don't, I don't think there's ever been, like, a really good Amityville film. There's been a lot of Amityville films. Really? Yeah. Wasn't I'm there not. just the remake a few years ago? Yeah, with um, Ryan Reynolds. What? That was in 2005. Ryan Reynolds was in it? Yeah. What? Yeah. What? Who was he? Like the dad? <laughs> yeah. 
No. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds can't be scary. <laughs> yeah. There's a new one coming out this year. Oh, there's not. Yeah. Oh, why? Why does there have to be ten films on each one? It's like because it's so famous. It's such a famous case. Halloween films and the Freddy Krueger ones. Like, just leave it. Yeah. Okay. So, so what do you know about the Amityville Horror? Um. Do you know what? Um. I just know from the film, which obviously might not be very much truth in that. Right. Um. I just know that the like the it's the house itself, or it's about the house. Right. I don't remember it being about a specific demon or a specific spirit or or a person in the house. Right. I just remember it being the house. Yeah. Is that about? Is that um, near, yeah, yeah, kind of. Well, that's one of the speculations. But yeah, that's where a lot uh, of it comes then down there's, to. Um, well, there is the the speculation about the dad being possessed. Oh, right. But I don't know if that's just in the film. I think the film, there's like a scene where he's like carrying an axe around and he's like trying to kill his family or something. I don't really know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I can't, I can't remember. I haven't seen it for ages. Tis, do you have any knowledge of the amateur horror? I think I might have seen one of the films. Possibly there was a remake. 2005. Ryan Reynolds. Welcome to the conversation, Tis. <laughs> no, no. Did you see the Ryan Reynolds one? <laughs> no, I don't think so. It was on Netflix. I don't know if it still is. I, I still did. I didn't watch it though. Amateur horror. You know, I think I might have seen, like, a lot of trailers of it, but not the actual film, you know? <laughs> the trailers so many times like you just, felt like I you'd seen the film. I couldn't watch the film, but I think I've seen what it's about, if that makes sense. But I can't remember it. Well, there was actually... Regardless, I can never remember There's it. actually two events, two big events that make up the Amityville Horror. Oh, there is one coming out this year. Yeah, yeah The Awakening. The Awakening, yeah. yeah. And that's the Amityville Horror as well? Yeah. That's, oh, ama- it's, just cool. it's just called Amityville. The bit- oh, he's oh, Ryan Reynolds. Well, 2005 one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's only an hour and a half long. Yeah. It's a Disney film. <laughs> no, a lot of horror films are only an hour and a half because it's not too long, long really. Yeah, see, look, Dad with Axe, look. <laughs> Dad with Axe. Is he typing Amityville Dad with Axe? Yeah, Amityville colon. I've never seen the Axe. That's, that's Axe. the seventh film in the series. And then there's Amityville, there's another one. So there was last year, there was Amityville Terror. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm doing your work for you. And then this year, there's Amityville Exorcism. Well, let's make up a new one. There's actually, I'll tell you what films there's been. I've got them here. Amityville Horror, 1979. That was the first one. You had Amityville 2, The Possession. Mm. Amityville 3D. <laughs> oh. Amityville 4, The Evil Escapes. Amityville 4D, The Piranhas Attack. <laughs> Amityville uh, 3 Double D. <laughs> <laughs> the Amityville Curse. Uh, the next one just sounds like an album title. Amityville. It's about time. <laughs> oh, what? Come on. I'm not even joking about the next one. a band called Amityville. Amityville, A New Generation. Mm. Amityville Dollhouse. The Amityville Horror, that's the remake. <laughs> the Amityville Haunting. The Amityville Asylum. Amityville Death House. Amityville Playhouse. <laughs> Amityville The Awakening. Why are the same? Oh, yeah, and then this one, Amityville Exorcism. Oh, yeah, that's not on this list, but I'm, yeah, yeah. It's on that... IMDb, right? 1.5 out of 10. Yeah. None of them None of them have ever been good. What? <laughs> An hour 17. <laughs> Our episodes are long. Yeah, look at this. <laughs> oh, sorry, Amityville 3D was later re-released as Amityville 3, The Demon. Hmm. I'm going to watch those trailers later. There's so many. I was thinking maybe Amityville 1 and 2 and then the remake. Yeah, there's a lot of them. (sighs) But anyway, the the story of Amityville, there's two big events uh, that happen one year. But the house is is like quite, um, is 
quite real, isn't it? Like that. Yeah, the house is very real. With the two windows at yep. the front, where it's like a horrible. Yep. On like a lake or something. This is the quick summary. I'll do. I hit it with Annabelle. Where I'll do the quick summary. This is it, and then we'll sort of like dissect the story. Mm-hmm. So the actual facts. This is what happened. This is the Amityville case. Yeah. November thirteenth, seventy four. Ronald DeFeo Jr. shot and killed six members of his family. At, this is in seventy four. Yeah. So the film only came out five years later. Yeah. Okay. Um, he shot and killed six members of his family at one one two Ocean Avenue. A large Dutch colonial house situated in a suburban neighbourhood in Amityville. Looks the same as the one in the film. On the south shore of Long Island, New York, he was convicted of second-degree murder in November 75. Okay. In December 75, George and Kathy Lutz and their three children moved into the house... After 28 days, the Lutzes left the house, claiming to have been terrorised by paranormal phenomena while living there. Okay. Obviously the people who were murdered in the house. Possibly. That's one way of looking at it, but there's also, you know, maybe the house was like that before and that was what caused him. Yeah. So the the paranormal, the stuff, the Georgian, the the family that moved in yeah, the Lutzes. that's the one, the, the original. That's what the on, films are normally based on, yeah. yeah. And they normally like go into look. Oh, there was savage murders in this house and all that stuff. Mm. So every I'm just single gonna, film is about the same thing. I'm just gonna play a video which will show you a lot of images, and it also give you like a little bit more detailed overview of mainly the massacre part of it, and then allude to the Lutzes part. So wonderful. It's um, it's mainly there's no audio. It's, it's all visual, so you have to okay. have a look. But it, they'll be right. Need on to the watch screen. to see on the night of November. 74, around 3.15am, Ronald Butch DeFeo Jr. took a .35 Marlin rifle. He began to kill his family, shooting them while they were sleeping, starting with his parents, then moved on to his two younger brothers and finally his two sisters. Mm. After committing the six murders, he got ready for work and continued his day just like any other. Mm. That's horrible. He collected his bloody clothing and the murder weapon in a pillowcase and dumped the evidence in a storm drain around 6am while on his way to work at the dealership. There are some uh, disturbing images coming up. Not really disturbing, but I'll just give you a warning. Upon arriving at work, Ronald called home pretending not to know why his father didn't show up for work. Because he put a hole in his head. After leaving work, he told everyone he had encountered that he couldn't seem to reach anyone at home attempting to secure an alibi. Around 6.30pm, he entered Henry's bar and started yelling, You've got to help me. I think my mother and father are shot. (laughs) That's a bad plan. A small group of people went to the house and found the six bodies. Oh, you weren't joking. Yeah, so this is the disturbing imagery now. Police took Ronald under protective custody after he told the police that he thought that uh, Louis Fellini, a mafia hitman, was responsible for the murders. He told the police that he had been up late watching TV, unable to sleep, left work early. He said that he believed his family was still alive when he left for work. His testimony started to crumble after police found a .35 caliber Marlin gun in Ronald's room. Also, the fact that everyone was wearing their pyjamas seemed more realistic that the murders happened early in the morning, placing Ronald at home at the time. Finally, Ronald confessed, Once I started, I just couldn't stop. It went so fast. He was sentenced to six consecutive life sentences and was sent to Greenhaven Correctional Facility. On December 18, 1975, the Lutz family moved to the house but fled only 28 days later as they began to experience supernatural things. Their claims include slime oozing from the walls, strange noises, unexplained foul odours, large amounts of flies in the house and disembodied voices. George Lutz claimed he frequently woke up at 3.15am to the sound of gunshots and music. The famous paranormal investigators and demonologists Ed and Lorraine Warren investigated the house. During their investigation, the famous Amityville Ghost Boy picture was taken. Yeah, that's horrible. 
Uh. Lorraine Warren stated that the house was the most terrifying place she'd ever entered and that the red room in the basement was the portal to hell. <laughs> That's a bold statement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a thing in the film about the basement. Well, there we go. What do you think about that? Uh, do you know, as I was watching through it, I was thinking, I was remembering stuff from the films that that shows you that. It's pretty awful. Tish, you, you look hey, really feeling, Tish. glum. It's horrible. Yeah, it's grim, isn't it? It's mental. So the ghosts are the the family that are just pissed off that their son killed him. Yeah, well, that's there's different speculations on it. Like I say, um, some people say that you know the house was already evil or had bad energy, and that's what caused the killings. The killings in the first place, right? Yeah, because um, the the way he killed them, like he's obviously cold, but what he was doing wasn't calculated in any way. It was just no. killing people. No, you know, it, well, he wasn't intelligently thinking through the I details. Yeah, he just did it, and then he tried to cover his tracks afterwards. Like if someone, if you were in a bar and some dude ran in, like I think my parents have been shot. That would seem fishy to me. Yeah, like what? How do you? I think. What do you mean? You think? Why don't you just ring the police? Yeah, and also, how do you think you know? How do you, surely you'd know your whether you're playing? Why would you run into a bar to tell us? It? Mm. Yeah. Well, what I'll do is I'm going to go through both parts of the story bit by bit. So we'll go through the DeFeo thing and we'll go through the Lutz's family thing. But before we do that, should we watch the 1979 Amityville Horror trailer? See how say, it should looks? we watch the whole film? Should we watch the film? Should we watch the Amityville <laughs> Horror? The trailer. I haven't actually watched this like I, with the others. I saved it to watch review, but this is yeah. the original '79 film. Okay. <laughs> It's the kind of house they don't build anymore. A relic of a time. Morgan Freeman. Is that Morgan Freeman? Such a hurry. No. When there was still time for a little charm and elegance, it has stood empty for a long while. And at the price, it is a bargain. For a growing young family, it is almost too good to be true. What do you think? I love it. Margot Kidder. James Brolin, Margot Kidder, Rod Steiger, in the Amityville Horror. God's peace in this house. Best-selling book that made millions believe in the unbelievable. 
the Amityville Horror. Howdy. How how much better a film trailer's got? Oh, that was shocking. They're bad, aren't they? I don't feel like I need to see the film now. I feel like I've seen it. Yeah. We should bookend that and with the trailer of the new one coming out this year. Okay, we'll watch that at the end. Eh? Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so, what, yeah, yeah, what do you think about the adaptation? I mean, film? it's... Yeah, it doesn't look as... It, I don't know, it seems, like, from what you've told us so far, to kind of stick to the facts a bit. And Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? It was actually adapted again... Briefly, I finally got round to watching The Conjuring 2 recently. Uh-huh. And like I said, with the first Conjuring, which was about the Perron family, the opening sort of five, ten minutes of that had like the flashback scene to their um, Annabelle case. Right. Um, and the, the second Conjuring film started the same way. It had like a five, ten minute flashback scene to the Amityville case. And then it was about the Enfield Poltergeist, the rest of the film. Okay. You know, I actually quite enjoyed the first Conjuring film. Yeah. I did not enjoy the second one. No, I don't think you would. I've but not heard anything good about it. Really? Well, that's the thing. I've heard really credible people say, oh, it's brilliant. Best horror film for years. Better than the first one. And then I've also had a lot of credible people say it's dog shit. I think it's a real subjective film. Mm. So I won't discourage people from watching it. But it does like... I think it's for me as well, Like because I've studied these cases. When I watched yeah. it, I was like, I don't feel like this is sticking to the pure facts. Oh, yeah. And it went yeah. through pains to be so accurate to some of the stuff with the Enfield Poltergeist haunting. Mm. And then it just added in like unnecessary things that were nothing to do with it. So, hmm. But yeah, yeah no, a few of our listeners have said to me as well they thought it was turd. Absolute poo-poo. But I did get around to watching it, yeah. And that did show the Amityville events at the beginning of that film, plus numerous books and all the films we said earlier. So it's been adapted time and time again. Mm. Right. Should we get into the DeFeo yeah, let's, let's do it. I want to yeah. know about this, yeah. That, the bit the bit where they said that when the family moved in, they could, the guy woke up frequently at the cup, quarter past three, getting yeah. gunshots and stuff. Yeah, we think so, that. Quite creepy. Yeah. Actually... I am going to play one more video. It's only about a minute long, but it's the news report okay. from the day after the killings. Okay. From before they knew that it was Butch, that it was uh, Ronald Jr. Oh, they're just, yeah. someone's killed Yeah, someone's people. killed these people. All right, and yeah. it's got the um, guy who owns the bar that he ran into the bar. Oh. I was like, oh, my family have been shot. It's got him on it. Um, awesome. Let's see. Let's see it. Let's see it. What are you thinking, Tiss? This is all bumming you out, isn't it? Mm, it's really scary. It's interesting. He man. came, he opened the door, and he was screaming, Come on, help me. Somebody shot my mother and father. And everyone ran out of the bar, and that was it. They all took off. No, I had to stay. I was tending more. They all jumped in his car and took off. Today, police combed the DeFeo's handsome three story house for clues while divers explored the backyard swimming pool for the still unfound murder weapon. Police have been questioning the son, Ronald, and now say he is being, quote, safeguarded. Investigators say without explanation that they now feel young DeFeo was in the house at the time of the murders. But they're not yet considering him a suspect. And so forth. No suspect of this time. We have no indication of the motive at this time. What about Ronald uh, DeFeo, the son, the surviving son? Ronald is being safeguarded by the Suffolk County Police at this time. Why safeguarded? Why? Because the six members of the family dead, and we don't know why, and he's the sole remaining member. The auto suspect? He's not a suspect at this time. Few people in the neighborhood knew the family well, but those who did described them as close knit. Well, I figured, I think they were just very sweet, very religious people, very family-minded people. And that's about all I could say. Very good, very generous, this type. I mean, very close with their children. There's one element in the usual mass murder story which seems to be missing from this case. There's no sense of fear in this community. No feeling of a mass murderer on the loose. 
people we talked to seemed to feel that whatever was the motive for this crime, it had something to do with the family. It's not something that's going to return to bother anyone else. In Amityville, Long Island, Phil Barno, New Center 4. <laughs> they're basically saying they all seem so casual about it yeah. don't they? they're basically saying he did it son. Ronald did it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like well what the fuck are you doing like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's obviously him he's the only one remaining and he was the only one in the house at the time yeah. it's obviously him yeah. so that's Ashback at this time what? so <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna run through some points to do with the DeFeo case um, rather than just like go through the story I'm just gonna like throw out some points and some will move on some will discuss whatever so what do you guys think of the following? So all the family, um, when they found the bodies, were executed, basically, face down on their beds. All of them face down on their beds, right? Which is weird because um, from examination, none of the bodies had been moved and none of them had been drugged in yeah, any way. That's that's horrible because he was saying, oh, it all happened so fast. So for the first, the first one, he would have just held the gun to the back of their head and finished them off. Yeah. And then everyone else would wake up, surely. So so then he must have gone into the bedrooms and been like, lay there, lay there, and like like made them... Oh, get I hadn't in. even considered that as well. Yeah. He must have like made them get into the position, and then they're like, imagine that, imagine that's your like brother or your, yeah. your son, and he's like making you do that. You'd be like weeping into your pillow and like, sorry... This is horrible. Yeah. You've made it way it. scarier than I even considered. I, I <laughs> was right like, oh, isn't it weird? They're all face yeah. down. But yeah, you're saying he ordered them to be face down. That makes complete sense. I don't know why that hadn't crossed my mind. Oh, that's horrible. That's gross. Yeah. Uh, that's grim. That's fucking grim. <laughs> it's horrible. I'm sorry. What do you think about him reporting the crime himself? It makes him seem just more messed up. Yeah. Way more messed up. And it was like the next night. I wonder what the motive was. Yeah, that's what I can't work out. Mm. There was, there's, um, I've actually written on here, what is the motive? And then some people speculated that it was like a life insurance thing, but that doesn't seem to add up to me. No. They didn't seem like a wealthy family or like. If it was a life insurance thing, he would have, you feel like he'd have planned it when yeah, yeah, he was like blown the house up or something. Yeah. Mm. <sighs> yeah. The suspicion around him caused him to eventually confess, you know, suspicion. They found, like, the gun and bullets in his fucking room, like, mm. barely hidden. So, yeah. Um, his story changed a lot right. about what actually happened. You, there was that weird... In that first video we watched, there was that weird story where he was like, oh, yeah, it was a mafia boss that did it, mm. which seemed really bizarre. Um, yeah, in, like, a really small community. Yeah, yeah. Why? He claimed he was compelled to do it when it went to court. Um, that's when it starts coming into like he he was saying that he felt possessed by an invisible force, like he just was had like no control of himself. It felt like he just right. had to do it, mm. and he said like once it started, it just kept going. It was like he just everything happened really fast. It was mm. like bam, one, bam, two, bang, kept going. Mm. But he was just like he felt like he wasn't even in control of himself when it was happening. Yeah, from from this point, there's there's for me there's two there's he either just was this horrifically cold just evil person going around killing his family mm -hmm. or it was you know this is you know I've said it before multiple times about how you know I've spoken to people who've been possessed and they say that when they kind of feel like they're back or like wherever you however you want to put it they they often ask well, what did I do mm. so they're not aware of what they've done so it's like mm, I don't know some people say that um, he was like a victim of circumstance as well Apparently, his dad was pretty rough to him. He had, like, a really poor upbringing. Right. 
um, not cared for that well. And he was doing drugs a lot of the time. At that time, he was doing drugs. And that the gun, some people say that the gun was actually his dad's gun and it was just left unattended. Right. So he was just like off his face on drugs. Like the gun was laying around, just like messed uh, up basically. Just one thing led to another. Probably yeah, yeah. maybe that, started that, on his dad's and then he's like, well, now I've got to kill everyone because they've. Yeah, like what have I done? Holy shit. And he, fuck, I've killed everyone sort of thing. That's fucked. Mm. Something I found weird is how the six were killed so quickly. Yeah, how like, long was in between each? I don't know, but it says, um, when the police investigated it, they said it seemed like everyone went down so quickly that for a long time they were looking for an accomplice because it just seemed like right. impossible that this one guy could just be like, bam, next room, bam, next room, bam, next room. Like, so quick, taking everyone out. Hmm. Also, the, there was no silencer on the gun, yet no one heard any shots. No one From reported the, the shots. No one heard anything. It was like a big rifle. You would hear, I don't know, if, if next door, like, uh, six rifle shots went off, mm. I would know a fucking gun was going off. Mm. Yeah, but there was no reports of any gunshot. No one heard anything that night, which is weird. Mm. The motive, like I said, no idea. Uh, here's another crazy claim he put out or spin on the story. One time in an interview, like I said, he... His story changed a lot. Mm. One time in an interview, he actually said that his sister, Dawn, one of his sisters, killed his dad. And then his mum went nuts and killed, like, all the siblings. And then he killed his mum. <laughs> right. And took the blame for it all. That's so mental. Yeah. No. I know I don't buy any part of that. No? N- no. It's too... If it all happened so quickly, that wouldn't be a quick... It wouldn't necessarily be a quick thing. Also, they're all face down in the bed, so that doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. But this is... I don't know if he's not there and you mentally. would know as well. If you're trying to move a dead body... Yeah. That's like trying to move a massive sack and of taters. Like, when they examined it, said like they did like, not seem would, like the bodies were moved. Yeah. Yeah, you would know there would be, like, stress marks or, mm. like, maybe bruising around the body where you'd have to... Yeah, that's all balls. But he's done this a lot. He's changed his story a lot. Um, and I don't know if it's him trying to seem more innocent or he's just so not with it mentally or what. Yeah, I don't know. But his story changes like a hell of a lot. It's not very trusting. No. Not a very trustworthy guy, so it no. makes you question it so much more. Well, I wouldn't trust anyone really who shot six family members <laughs> <laughs> in their own house. And, uh, mm. No. Um, are you still alive today? I think yeah. we're serving... Six 25-to-life sentences... Yeah, he's not getting out, is he? No, never. He'll never see the light of day. Well, he'll see the light of day, he just won't... Yeah. I think you can track down interviews with him online. I haven't got any for the show, because I have can enough you? stuff on What's here. What's his but, name again? Um, Ronald DeFeo Jr. Okay. Or Butch. He was known as Butch. <sighs> again, with a nickname <laughs> like that, I'm not going to trust him. <laughs> he lives... Oh, he's Butch, live on, yeah. Well, so, yeah, they're the, the sort of the name points. of the horrible cat in Tom and Jerry. Yeah, it is. Um, in it or is it the dog it's the dog yeah sorry (laughs) Tom is the horrible cat (laughs) yeah no he's got that friend he's got his mate the black cat who's just a proper dick Sylvester (laughs) (laughs) the black cat (laughs) there's a black cat that he's like mates with in Tom and Jerry yeah 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 no yes there's a black cat in Tom and Jerry no I don't remember that yes he is I'm getting it Oh, it is Butch. He's a black That's alley. The dog. He's a black alley cat. Oh, so who's the dog? Yeah, look. I don't remember that cat. Yeah, he was a right bastard. I don't think I've ever seen Tom and he, Jerry. He'd with that like cat. go into their house and eat all their food, and then Tom would get the blame. <laughs> I've never seen that. I've one. never seen that cat. I have to find the dog's name now. That's going to bug me. That's it. Spike. Oh, of uh, course. Yeah, he's an American bulldog. 
And he's got his little little um yeah. anyway. Okay, so that's the basic detail of like the DeFeo massacre. Okay. Uh, all that's obviously before Ed and Warren got involved. Yeah. It's before the hauntings, but that's sort of the backstory of the house itself. So far it's not necessarily paranormal, it's just a mental murder. Yeah. yeah. Um and obviously like there's so much to this case. So much, um, and so much to the Lutz family case as well that I'm really only briefly skimming over it, even though I've given it a whole episode to itself. Mm. Like, there's been so much research done into this case over the years, and we're like, we're not the show to come to for your like hard no. nitty gritty. All we're, our listeners know yeah, that by I'm, now. I'm just for uh, newcomers who are interested in the amateur, like, if, if there's some amateur uh, expert is listening to this, you know, we're not the place to come to. We do a layman's overview of these things, yes. but. Just want to cover my bases because I'm going to move on to the Lutz family now. Awesome. So um, they moved in in December '75, so only the next year, and he'd only gone away in November. Right. Um, so it was 13 months after the massacre. It was just empty for that whole time. Yeah, yeah. And they only lived there for 28 days before having to leave, just like the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm going to read um, from the Warrens website and um, what they've written as their account of the Lutz family. Okay. Case. Okay, the, they paid $80,000 for the house. That is a bargain. A Catholic priest arrived while the Lutz family was unpacking to bless the family home. As the priest made his way upstairs to the second floor, entering the bedroom which had formerly belonged to Mark and John DeFeo, he began sprinkling holy water, at which point an unseen voice told the priest to get out, which he hastily did. The priest did not tell the Lutz family about the voice, but he did warn them, do not use the upstairs room as a bedroom and do not let anyone sleep in there. Although ominous, the Lutz family abided by the words of the priest and turned the room into a sewing room. From the very first night they moved in, the family claimed they felt strange sensations. Within days, the family's personality had drastically changed. Arguments ensued. George was plagued by a constant chill and spent all his time feeding the fireplace. George also noticed a change in his grooming habits and his and Kathy's health declined drastically. The Lutz daughter began spending all her time in her room playing with an imaginary friend. She described it as a red-eyed pig called Jody, who could transform not only shape but size, at times being larger than the house. Jody also claimed she could not be seen by anyone unless she wanted them to. Mysterious foul odours would emanate from different locations in the house. Toilets. Black stains appeared on the toilets and ceramic fixtures. <laughs> Kathy was touched by an unseen force and a green gelatin substance would appear throughout the house. Hundreds of flies appeared in the sewing room, despite it being the dead of winter. George would wake up nightly at 3.15am, which coincided with the time the police felt the DeFeos were murdered. George also awoke one night to witness his wife transform into a 90-year-old hag, and the next night she began levitating off the bed. The Lutz family tried on numerous occasions to contact the Catholic priest, only to find the phone would cut out whenever they would try to call. After failing to get the priest to return, the family took matters into their own hands. Armed with a crucifix, they walked throughout the house reciting the Lord's Prayer. A chorus of voices erupted in response, asking them, Will you stop? The final night was reported to be the worst. Banging and rappings as loud as a marching band emanated throughout the house, furniture being moved by its own accord, and the children being terrorised. After 28 days in the DeFeo home, the family claimed they could take no more. They grabbed only a few belongings and fled the house, taking shelter at Kathy Lutz's mother's home in nearby Babylon. Fuck. Thoughts? That sounds terrifying. 
I would have left that. so much early. Yeah, 28 days. I feel like they didn't have to be there that long. After about a day, I'd be like, yeah, I want to put out of this. So. <laughs> about a day. About, a day. <laughs> about one day. I think I'd want to leave. About one experience. 28 <laughs> days. Don't you feel that would be... Or I would come downstairs after one night and be like, wow, some, like, some really strange stuff going on. Like, I'd give it one more chance and then I'd probably go... Get out of there. 28 days. As soon as the priest said, don't use the top room as a bedroom, like, why? Yeah, but I would be like, you know, I don't know how credible this priest is. He just turned up while they're unpacking. So I might just be like, he's a crazy old guy. I don't even know if he's a real priest. He's a crazy old geezer. Otherwise he still he put... took his advice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then when things started happening, after he'd said that, that's when I would start thinking. Mm. Yeah, particularly in the room he was talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's where there was like hundreds yeah. of flies all the time. I mean, apparently. I do feel like the priest did a disservice to them. He could have come down and been like, you shouldn't live here. Yeah. He didn't even say that he, they had told him to get out. Yeah. He was like, just don't use that room, okay? Yeah. yeah. It was like he'd done a bad shit and told him, like, do yeah. not go in there. Yeah. And that Woo! was it. <laughs> Ace Ventura. <laughs> um. <laughs> is that Ace Ventura? Or yeah, is it I think it is. No, I think that's Ace Ventura. Oh. Jim Carrey. That is a bit, in it? Like, you can imagine him coming down the stairs, like, white, white as a ghost, and coming down, like, looking around, like, Oh, everything right, Father. They're like, <laughs> just yeah, they're like, why are you in our house? Yeah, just, just don't go in that room. Um, I've got an interview with the priest, though. Let's watch it. Let's see it. Uh, it's only about, it's very short. It's about two minutes. Because the, he would never reveal his identity, this priest. But they got him. But in the video, he won't reveal his identity either. Even though I'm pretty sure you can find out who it is. Because he's quite famous for something the, else. Um, you know the picture of the ghost boy? Yep. Was one of the... We'll go into that. I've got to talk about the ghost boy oh, oh, after this. okay. So this is the Amityville Priest interview. Okay. Watts asked her parish priest to stop by and bless the house. This blessing began in the sewing room and seemed to set off a chain reaction which would jeopardize the lives of everyone involved. Because of criticism later leveled by other church officials, the priest has never before talked to anyone in the media. In search of was able to locate him, and he agreed to tell us his story, but only if he could remain anonymous. I was blessing um, the sewing room. It was cold. It was really cold in there. And I thought, gee, that's, this is peculiar. Because it was a lovely day out. And uh, it was winter, yes, but I, it didn't account for that kind of coldness. I, I also was sprinkling holy water. And I heard a, a rather deep voice uh, behind me saying, get out. It seemed so directed toward me that I was really quite startled. I felt a slap at one point on the face. I felt somebody slap me, and there was nobody there. Strange events also affected the priest who blessed the house. He discovered blisters were festering on his hands. I went to the doctor for it, yes, and he couldn't explain it. He thought it might be caused by anxiety, and of course that's, that's feasible. Um, but I, I don't think I'm given over to psychosomatic responses. He called the Lutzes to warn George and Kathy. Interference prevented any communication. Kathy? He could never get through. Hello. 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 Why didn't it just go around? Yeah, I don't know. They always do that on the old fly things. Hello? 
Yeah, Hello? but you've just hung up 17 times. They're not going <laughs> to be there anymore. <laughs> when you put that phone down, that hangs up. Yeah, they're so not still there. That's up. like if I put the phone down, I picked it up 10 minutes later and you put it down, you're still like, hi. <laughs> just in case you were coming back. What a um, They always do it in old films and stuff. It's really yeah. Weird. Like, hello, old hello. Phone, if, you, if, if you opened the portal... You couldn't close it unless both the phones went down. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. If someone. Oh, that must be why they do it. The then I always wonder. Oh, how long did it take maybe. to dial that number on that old phone? As yeah. Well? <laughs> anyway, what do you think about the priest? Um, I feel like he's dis- he's disappointed in himself and embarrassed that he maybe feels responsible. Mm-hmm. Like he's the priest. He should have he should have taken authority over those badass spirits and just told him to like he could he should have got sassy on him. Like when they were like get out, he should have gone. No, you get out. What do you think about the marks on his hands? Yeah, it's pretty horrible. Stigmata. That's what he's... I said he's famous for something else. Yeah. That's what he was famous for. He uh, Once the stigmata started appearing, he was always he always had this. Oh. And they never healed. But he came under criticism because some people claimed that he was doing it himself. Right. So he might have been a dodgy priest from the get-go. Mm. Or, you don't know. It's weird tales, isn't it? We never know. Mm. So he came under criticism... Uh, for that, like, after the events of the Amityville, that was something else he was famous for, the same priest. So if one's a lie, the other could be a lie, or, you know, they could both not be, you know what I mean? It's Yeah. He's not He's not quite the full ticket, is he? There you go. Leave it there. Right, I'm just going to uh, read a bit more from the Warren site about the, the uh, Lutzes thing. Okay. 20 days after the Lutzes fled, paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren were called in by Marvin Scott, a news reporter with Channel 5 NY, who had covered the Amityville story and worked on prior investigations with the Warrens. A team of reporters, investigators and parapsychologists were assembled by Ed Warren and met at the home at 112 Ocean Avenue. The Lutz family refused to re-enter the home during the investigation. During the investigation, Ed was physically pushed to the floor whilst using some religious provocation in the basement. Lorraine was also overwhelmed by the sense of a demonic presence and was plagued by her psychic impressions of the DeFeo family's bodies laid along the floor, covered in white sheets, and a sense of physically being pushed back. Mm. So, yeah, that's what the Warrens experienced themselves. It sounds like out of... All their cases. This is the one where they sound as if they were disturbed themselves. This is the. This is why this one's very famous amongst them for two reasons. Um, one will come to you later, but one because it's the one they claim was the most violent haunting they'd been in, the the worst house they slept in. Right. Um, and I've actually got a clip of Ed and Lorraine talking about this case. Let's see it. Tiss, what would be the worst for you in that house? What would be the worst kind of, like, manifestation? Would it be the smells, the flies, the cold, the voices, the furniture moving? Don't say all of it. Like, what would be, like, the finishing, like, I'm out of here? Furniture moving. Because it's phys- you can physically see that. Mm. Like, the bad smell well, might the voices, be... Though. Voices, 100%. Get out. Someone's saying, get out. I'd get out. Yeah. Or I'd go fucking nuts and smash the house up. <laughs> <laughs> The two I was extremes. thinking about that. I was thinking about running in there with an axe and just going, ah, and just smashing things. But then wouldn't the demon just be like, right, I'm going to fucking kill you. Um, so this is Tony Spira interviewing uh-huh. them again, yep. his son-in-law. Okay, uh, in the beginning, uh, George and Kathy would feel the psychic cold throughout all the rooms. No matter how many logs they'd throw on a fire, it was icy cold. That's because it's a psychic cold, and the cold is being drawn 
the heat from the bodies of the people in that house is being drawn, and that heat is going to be used as an energy fuel source for the spirits in that house. So they feel the psychic cold. They hear magic whispering voices throughout the hallways. Uh, at night, uh, they would see ghost lights over their beds in the rooms. There was a time when George and Kathy found themselves about two foot from the ceiling. George looked over at Kathy and said, do you believe this? Do you believe it? And of course, then they went lower themselves down into the bed again. But there would be the footsteps. There would be the um, slime that they would find on the staircase. Now, these are called apports. Mm -hmm. These materialize or dematerialize in such haunted houses. For instance, uh, in many homes that we go into, we will find that uh, you might see blood, as they did, coming down the wall. But if you went over there and touched that wall, there'd be no blood. This is a telepathic projection to the viewer, and it bypasses the physical eye, goes into the mind's eye, and they see it as a medium would see it. Uh, there was the marching uh, band, as they described it, around 3.15 in the morning when the murders had taken place. A lot of things would happen at around 3 o'clock. We call this the devil's hour. Mm -hmm. because it's an insult to the Trinity, anything that comes in threes. Uh, they would hear this marching band. George would jump out of bed. He'd go running down the stairs. As soon as he'd get down to the foyer, the music would stop. But he'd look into the living room, that huge living room, mm -hmm. which you'll see a picture of, and the rugs were actually rolled up, and the furniture was pushed over to the sides of the walls as though somebody were actually marching there. Uh, there were so much different types of phenomena that occurred to us and the people that went in there, it was incredible. I told you about the experience last week of where I felt as I was being smothered. Mm -hmm. uh, going into that home again, uh, Lorraine felt many things. She, as a clairvoyant, would be more sensitive. Mary Pascarella, who was uh, the director of the Psychic Research Institute in Hampton, Connecticut, never went into a haunted house after that. She gave up the work because right? she was so badly affected by it. Mm -hmm. The cameraman uh, that went in there, with Channel 5 news team, uh, had heart palpitations. These guys, they were in battles in World War II. Of course, it bothered them, but never as much as going into that house there. Well, it was the physical effects on their body, Tony, mm -hmm. that was bothering them. And then one of the scientists that had come up uh, from Duke University, he became so terrified in this home, and the chair that he was sitting on actually went right backwards with him in it. They had a real hard time just stabilizing him emotionally in that home. Mm -hmm. But it seemed like, and it's true to the fact that people are affected on their weakest, most vulnerable levels. And I think many times people of science go into a home like this not really expecting to be affected personally, mm -hmm. just to be there and be witness to it. But they have nothing to fall back on. They have no faith, Tony. They can't call on any inner strength other than their own personal knowledge. Right. And in a way, that, as far as I'm concerned, they can't possibly be too objective that you way. You know, Father Pecoraro told me... I love when he interrupts her there, his face, her face, like where, where Ed cuts her off. Possibly be too objective that you way. You know, Father Pecoraro told me. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like she wasn't done yet. Wow. Um, 
So yeah, that's that's the ads. Uh, the, the ads. <laughs> that's, <laughs> the, that's the Ed and Lorraine's account. Um, yeah. Or some of what they think about it. So, what do you think about the Lutz family and the stuff that happened there? Standard haunting. Yeah, it just feels. Yeah, it feels like a pretty standard case of the ghosties. Standard haunting. <laughs> what? Do you not think? Do you think it's more than a standard haunting? It's nuts. But it is, but mate, aren't all hauntings just? Yeah, true enough. Yeah, like know. the one in um, where's the other one in Shepherd's Bush or Holloway Road? Was it? Oh, in in London, Enfield. Yeah, Enfield. Yeah, yeah. The Enfield haunting. Yeah. But this one does feel more like it feels more sinister or like playful. There's another interview um, with Ed and Lorraine about this. It's actually from the same interview session. It's earlier in the night, which I'll also put on the blog when they first start talking about it. And that's when they're saying, you know, this was the most horrible feeling house they ever went into. And Lorraine says, you know, on a scale of one to ten, this was the only house they went into. She considers like a ten in terms of, wow. you know, haunt on the haunting scale. <laughs> Um, Bornometer. Is it still? Is the house still around? Yeah, uh, we'll get to that later as well. Um. Uh, I'm just going to read the one last little bit from the um, Warrens page on it, um, on sort of why they think there was negative energy aside from the murders. Yeah, so their reasoning for negative energy aside from the Defoe murders. The land was also found to be used by John Ketchum. John Ketchum was a practicing black magician and had a cottage on the land prior to the construct of the Dutch colonial in 1924. John requested that his remains be buried on that property and they remain there till this day. Right. So black magic has been used on that property before. Right. Um, And the Shinnecock Indians also at one time had an enclosure on this land that was used to house the sick and the mad. Uh, Those in this enclosure were left to die. The Warrens believe that the suffering there had left the property with a very negative energy and dark history, and that such a negative history was a magnet for demonic spirits and the pre preternatural. Hmm. Preternatural. I've never heard that word. No. I'm going to search what preternatural means. Well, while you're doing that, I do, I do find this whole concept of like when evil stuff happens in a place, if it f- preternatural. Pre, uh, I'll say that right. Preternatural uh, is beyond what is normal or natural. All oh, right. Anyway, okay. carry on. Okay. So yeah, I do find it weird. You get there doesn't um, like there doesn't seem to be continuity when you get a place where it's haunted and you're like, oh, it's because bad stuff happened there once. Mm. Well, I went to Auschwitz. Yeah. And that didn't, you know, just felt like a. Well, it's pretty grim, isn't it? But, okay, maybe maybe so. We went, when we went to Beer Canal. Yeah. You can distance yourself from it because the place is beautiful. Right. Like, as you're walking around the woods, you you can... It doesn't feel... Yeah. I'd, yeah, it's just not... I don't know. It didn't, fi- it didn't feel evil mm. as you're walking around it. Um, I don't know. I know what I mean. You have to walk around to kind of... I guess if you walked around at night, it might feel a bit different. Mm. So... Yeah, there's some, some interesting deductions. Some they took some ideas. items from the house and put them in their museum. They took some what? Some items from the house. Why would you do that? Because <laughs> they've got This museum. annoys me about these bloody people. Every episode <laughs> we do, oh, I'm just going to take that. Why? Just, like, why? <laughs> Keep it safe. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's balls. <laughs> All right, do you want to talk about the ghost boy? Not really, but yeah. Yeah. In 1976, mm-hmm. uh, photographer Gene Campbell was part of a team that was investigating the house and cameras were set up all over the house. Many rolls of film were developed and one shot became very famous. 
uh, the Amityville Ghost Boy, mm. which you saw in um, that video at the beginning. Yeah. I'm just going to get it up. Imagine going through all those photos and then seeing that. Yeah. You would shit a lot, wouldn't you? <laughs> wouldn't you? Yeah. Would you? I would. I'd poo straight away. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. The Ghost Boy picture. Okay, this is it. That's it. Oh, this one's clearer. Yeah, I got the clearest oh. one I could find of it. That's very clear, right? You can just see that's just a boy. That is actually a boy, isn't it? That is an actual boy. No, there was no boy on the property at the time. Oh. So that's the ghost boy, yeah? Oh, look at the eyes. Look how, like... It's like a Bioshock kid. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Um, now, there is... Um, well, a lot of people say there's a resemblance in the boy's face to John DeFeo, the youngest of the children that were killed. So let's get a picture of this with the DeFeo boy. Wow. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I can't. Yeah. That. That's horrible. Um, yeah. mm. There is evidence for it being possibly a hoax, though. Okay. Go um, on. Please tell me so I can not worry about it. Well, many believe now that the camera the simply caught one of the photographers and that in that picture, because of the framing of it, it looks like a little boy. It looks strangely like John DeFeo. Um, and it does look like a horrible ghost. Yeah, and it does look too small to be a fully grown man. Yeah. But um, some people think it was photographer Paul Bartz, um, who might have been on his knees for some reason at the time. The reflection on the eyes is because he wears glasses. I mean, yeah. Um, I'll get a picture of Paul Bartz up so you can see who they think it might be. So this is Paul Bartz, who they think it is. And this is the only picture I can find of him. And it's not very clear. No. No, I don't buy that. They think it was him anyway. Okay, I don't buy that. People who think the ghost boy was a hoax think it caught I, I him. wanted I wanted to buy it because I don't like the idea that it is this um horrible ghost boy. So yeah, that's the ghost boy. <laughs> <laughs> it is horrible, isn't it? It's gonna be in the back of my car when I'm driving home. Oh, don't start that. Uh, you said about um is the house still there now? Yeah. 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 Um it's been sold a few times since all these events. It's come up on the market numerous still times. Still keep buying it. But recently it's been on the market for like a long, long time with no one in it. Until November. Just gone. Really? Yeah. It sold for $850,000. Whoa. Is that 10 times the amount that those guys bought it for in the 70s? Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, it just went, it just uh, got sold. No, no reports of, do we have any? No, I haven't heard anything yet. Surely it would be in the news, wouldn't it? If someone had just moved into it after it being... It was in the news so that it was sold, so it would be in the news that... Yeah, exactly, something happened. That something was going on. Yeah. So maybe nothing's gone on. Did like a team of... Did the Ghostbusters go in and sort it out and then... No, it's fine. Uh, no, I don't think they did. Oh, well. Maybe they should. I would not move into that house. So I'm going to talk about the, the thoughts that the whole thing's a hoax. Right. Right? Now, a lot of people consider this... A hoax. Right. Of all Ed and Lorraine's cases, this is the one that people think of mostly as, like, that one was a hoax. A little bit hoaxy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's why it's... You know, I said it's famous for two reasons. One, because it was, like, they're one of their most extreme cases. But two, this is the one where people say that was bullshit. Oh, right. Okay. Okay? Uh-huh. Um, it's the most controversial for their cases for that in that way. Hmm. So, uh, I'm just gonna... I've made some notes um, that I could find... There's loads out there, people, like, taking bits apart or whatever, but this is what I found, so I'm just going to run through this. Uh, first of all, I did find um, a short interview with Christopher Lutz, the the son. All right. Um, regarding the films, this is a quote. 
the only thing that they got right is that our family moved into the house and then we left. Really? That's what he says himself. That's what the son says. Wait a minute. So all the stuff that he said and all the stuff that the priest said, like... Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of people just think the whole thing's bollocks. And Christopher Lutz, the youngest son, says it's all bollocks. But he was the one who's least in the story because it was the girl... The daughter who said she saw the pig and everything, and it was the parents who yeah, said yeah. him. But anyway, he says it's nonsense. And I don't think he really talks to his parents that much these days. Mm. Now, the DeFeo murders were big news. They were oh. all over the news. Yeah. And um, the trial had recently happened. Yeah. And so that was in the news. And people speculate that George Lutz thought that the media attention could be used to his advantage. Basically, he could exploit the tragedy of what had happened in that house. Right. with book and film deals if he could set up this thing get the house mm. get in say all this terrible stuff happened yeah right mm. now he contacted uh, another paranormal investigator first Dr. Stephen Kaplan right. uh, this before the Warrens George cancelled George Lutz cancelled the investigation from Stephen Kaplan as it seemed Kaplan was eager to out the whole thing as a hoax if he found it was. He basically said, if I come down there and it's, I think it's nonsense, because he didn't really believe it from the descriptions, then he was just going to come straight out and tell everyone and make sure everyone knew it was a hoax. Right. And George cancelled. Then Kaplan went on to do some of his own research, and he wanted to shut the whole thing down, basically. Okay. Because he believed um, it to be damaging to real paranormal investigations. Okay. Because um, he felt that it was so obviously a hoax that it would come out as a hoax eventually and people would realise that it was a hoax and then people wouldn't you know, take stock in yeah, stuff, the yeah. actual paranormal investigations that he was trying to focus on. Okay. He did try many times to speak out but was generally ignored as the story of the Amityville horror of the book and the film that had such a huge interest and it was just too juicy and interesting a story mm. that people just sort of ignored that like naysayer who was trying to say like it's a hoax and all this stuff. Mm. They just liked the idea of it so much that yeah. they uh, let go. Mm. I, mean, I must admit it's quite interesting that the boy is the only one... Who's like, no, it's all crap. Yeah. You know, the rest of the family, I mean, they must have tried to contact the rest of the family. And do they just, yeah. Hmm. There are, you can find interviews with the Lutzes around, and I, I've, there will be some on the blog, but I'll just name drop them in a bit. But also, um, back to the hoaxes, this is another good bit of evidence for it being a hoax. And there's a guy called William Weber. Right. He was the attorney of the, to the, the, um, to the DeFeo case. Okay. Right? Yep. So this is sort of linking the DeFeo case now to the last thing. Right. He said in an interview, he admitted basically to an involvement in the hoax. The attorney? Attorney from the DeFeo case. Mm, right. Okay. He admitted that he and Lutz concocted the whole story over a few bottles of wine one evening. Right. He would use the devil made him do it defense at the case, at the DeFeo murder case, uh, to set up the story. Right. And he said that the Lutz, that George Lutz wanted to get out from a mortgage that he couldn't afford. Right. Okay. Okay. Lutz eventually cut Weber out of the book deal money. So Weber decided to out Lutz and say the whole thing was a hoax. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so there's quite some, there's quite a lot of credible stuff there. Yeah. One, two more little bits of stacking up for it being a hoax. Um, during the 28 days of terror, uh-huh. that the Lutzes experienced. They made not one phone call to the police. No reports of, of anything. And I suppose you were, because if it was... I mean, like the, I suppose the only thing I would contact the police about is the noise, because you'd be like, mm. someone's someone's robbing us. Mm. Someone's downstairs. 
I, that bit I find understandable because what are you going to say? Yeah. There's a ghost in my house. Yeah, and they're going, well, yeah. you don't need to call. Um, one more, though. The, a local reporter um, who lived nearby uh, claimed that the Lutzes actually returned home the day after fleeing to hold a garage sale. <laughs> okay. But then surely all the neighbours would be like, no, they live there still. Mm. Stop lying. Yeah. Uh, also, the priest again, some claim that he was in on it. He's a shy, that he was a shyster, because that's backed up by some people thinking him lying about the stigmata thing mm-hmm. later in his career, that he was self-afflicting that. Um, but there's no evidence one way or the other for that. Yeah. Um, Which would give some weight to why he doesn't want to be seen. Yeah. But and why he also didn't deal with it when he was in there. There's overwhelming evidence for it being a hoax. Mm. I mean, there's what the Defoe murders obviously aren't a hoax. That was a real horrific event that happened there. Yeah, but we hear it's murders were, are like that all the time yeah. without people saying there are strange events around it. But the the question is, were the Lutz using that horrible event? Uh, it's entirely plausible, isn't it? I mean, you know, if you had to pay money off, that could be an an easy way of dealing with it. If they could get themselves a book deal, yeah, get a film out of it. Or yeah. ten by the sounds of things. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Do you think the Lutzes are still making money off them films? <laughs> I don't know. Apparently the Lutzes didn't actually make that much money. After all that, like, they didn't actually make that much money from it. Egg on their face. Mm. So, what do you guys think? Compelling evidence on both sides. Yeah, I think all the way through, the only thing, that, all the way through the story with the Lutzes, there were holes, like... Mm. When it was the priest, I was in my head. I'm thinking, why well, he's a priest? Why don't he deal with it? Like, if mm. he's if he's a particularly if he's a Catholic priest in Catholicism, there are more exorcisms. That's what they would call them. But yeah. What about the Warrens? Are you calling into question the Warrens? But that's what I'm saying. If this is a hoax, doesn't it call into question the Warrens as a whole? Yeah. Yeah, but they could walk into a house and get a bad feeling, and <laughs> it'd still be a hoax. I mean, it's just a bad feeling. Man. Nothing happened. Oh yeah. Mm. Well, you get a bad feeling from walking through gave graveyards at night, don't you? It's just, it's just your. <laughs> I've never done that. I think it's. I've never done that. You never walk through a graveyard at night. No, no, for that reason. Yeah, I exactly. Did the UVP experiment. Yeah, mm. but you, you, I don't know. We, we, like, if I knew I was just about to walk into a big house where I knew six people were murdered, mm. who's to say that wouldn't be on your mind? Who's to say you would be I'm playing sure there was a lot of thinking about stuff like. Of course it'd be negative. Like, I'd be thinking of that. And if I can work out, if I can deduct that, God, so he probably would have made them lay on the bed in that way. Like, you would be thinking through all this stuff and mm. you'd just be like, oh, God. And then you go down to the basement. Mm. I'm not... I don't know. It's it's possible. It's possible that it's still a hoax and it was just that the Warrens walked in and felt awful in there. Yeah. They said it was the worst house they've ever been in. That's what Lorraine said, yeah. They've put a lot of onus on it. Yeah. And if you go on their website still, it's like when you, it's like the the bio, and then it's like Annabelle section, Amityville section, that's like the other cases. They, they're like the big two. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I think it's still just, uh, just as plausible. There was something that actually happened, but after hearing some of the hoax stuff, like, okay, well, yeah, I can see that too. Mm. I'm torn. Yeah. It was great. Great. Um, great it's an interesting there. case. Yeah, it is. It makes me want to look into it more and look at the interviews. There and... is so much. And yeah, um, I'm sure, yeah. on the blog, I mean, I've got a few bits. There's a really good Art Bell, our favourite Mr. Aliens interviewer man. Sweet. Interview he did with George Lutz. Okay. 
Um, it's two and a half hours long. Oh my life! I didn't listen to the whole thing. I was like oh sort of life. listening to bits of it while I was doing, but it was really good. Um, so if you're an Art Bell fan or if you want to hear a cool interview of George Lutz, that's going to be on the blog. Two and a half hours. Yeah. And there's some really good bits in that that Art Bell's like, I simply don't believe you when he says certain things. <laughs> um, but then he's listening and hearing them out on other things. Uh, it's really good. Um, there's also uh, another interview with George and Kathy Lutz on Good Morning America, which yeah. was pretty good. I'm going to put that on the blog. Um, there's a good doc on um, YouTube called The Real Amityville Horror. And um, there's a really good website I found um, where they just go into every single piece of detail. The whole website is just dedicated to the Amityville Horror. Right. Uh, the Lutz family, the DeFeo murders, like, it breaks everything down. If you really are interested in this case, or the cases, both sides of it, I can't recommend this website enough, so I haven't actually got the address right here. But I will, if you want to find that website, there will be a link to it on the blog, and, um, yeah, it really does go into it in, in great detail, so I recommend that as well. Plus all the films, if you want to waste some time. <laughs> Uh, talking of films, do you want to watch the trailer for the new one? Yeah, we can want, have a cinema trip. Do you want? Are we? Are we watching the the Awakening? Amityville Exorcism or the Awakening? The Awakening, the new new one, the one that's out this year. So we can have a well, cinema the trip. Is out this year as well. They're both out this year. They're out this year. Yeah. Right. Okay. Amityville: The Awakening. Home sweet home. That looks great. Besides the fact that I have to move to a completely new school and start all over again. We moved here because St. Alpin's has the best neurological department in New York. This house is going to be good for James. There's nothing worth anything in the world. Inspired. Yeah. Stop, Vader. I just wanted to Creepy kid. The They're all the same. <laughs> They're all the same. These lazy horror films. Cases of anyone with James's injuries ever recover. Jump scare! Something's not right here. Dolls. I keep seeing things, oh, hearing things. Door slamming. They're all the same, man. It's the house. No, but I don't like it. It's like, it's what is the sensory Creepy face, for? creepy hands. house murdered his whole family. He said voices told him to do it. I don't want to see any more jump scares. Jump scares! But all the jump scares have been sort of lame anyway. Just been windows slamming. Yeah. All the flies. They got, they got something right. Can you hear them too? This house is really bad. They're just all exactly the same. No. Because they're cheap to make. Seen enough enough of that. Getting more ridiculous. Let's wrap up. Right, okay. So there you go. Amateur horror. Done. Not not going to see The Awakening. No. Alright, okay. Um, I think I'll give them all a miss, actually, all them films. Yeah, every single one of them. Um, the trailers were enough. Now, next week we've got weird news, mm. uh, unfortunately. Yeah. And we haven't recorded it yet, but I'm not. I don't get your hopes up because uh, we've got to get cracking tonight. And uh, unless you love weird news, yeah, all three of you. Yeah. So if you want all them stuff I recommended, all the, the all the stuff that will all be on the blog and all the, the ghost boy pictures, everything. 
All your favourites. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's Weird Tales and the unexplainable.blogspot.com. Contact us, say hi, send your stories, whatever. Unexplainableuk at mail.com. We're on facebook.com slash Weird Tales and the Unexplainable. And we're on Twitter at Bob Shoy. At Martin One Luke. Tissy Baby. At Tissy Baby. Uh, so come say hi on there, do whatever. Well, uh, we got anything to say before we get the fuck out? Nah. Nah, until next time. I'm not doing Warrant You Glad You Listened again. Until next time, Amateur Glad You Listened. Let's do some more. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to Quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.